Yeah, I'm one of the pastors here at Pillar Church. We're going to continue uh, the last two weeks. I haven't been in the pulpit. And so uh, Pastor Eric has been holding down the fort wonderfully uh, with the skill and gifting. That man is can't say enough about my brother. Um, he's been doing a series in First Peter. But now we're going to continue in our series in the Gospel of John. And I want to start by asking this question to you. How many of you have actually seen, not heard of, but you actually seen the movie Frankenstein? I knew, I knew a bunch of hands weren't going to go. Well, only a handful of us have actually seen that movie. Most of us heard of it, but we don't really know what it's about. In 1931, Universal Pictures remade a film about a scientist named Henry Frankenstein. The original name, his original name was Victor Frankenstein. But Henry was bent on harnessing the power of chemical reactions and, electro, and electromagnetic shock to bring life to a creature that he pieced together from deceased body parts. As the story goes, Henry successfully brings to life an otherwise dead tissue. And then he says these infamous words, which we've all heard. It's alive. It's alive. It's moving. It's alive, right? He says it's alive about 14 times. I'm not going to say it. I got the quotes long. But then he says this, this statement that later on production companies cut out of the movie. They fade the movie to black right before you hear him say this statement. He says this. He says, now I know what it feels like to be God. You know, it's telling that even in a movie of fiction, man's desire to be God rings loud and clear. Isn't that what got Lucifer in trouble? Trying to be God? Speaking of Lucifer, the great morning star, how, have you fall, how you have fallen from the heavens, you destroyer of nations. You have been cut down to the ground. Look at verse 13. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens and I'll set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. Then he said this in verse 14. I will ascend above the highest clouds and I will make myself like the most high. And the response is, but you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the earth. I think the author of Frankenstein was inspired by the first three chapters of Genesis, which is the, the creation and fall narrative, right? Where God created the heavens and the earth. And they wanted to create, which mankind tends to do, our own twisted version of life begetting life. Because we're people, we're infatuated with the, with the concept of sovereign control over life. We want to extend ours, we want to create life, and we want to rule life. We want to make life. But when God made us, he didn't do so with electrochemical reactions. It's amazing how God did it. He says that the Lord formed man out of the dust from the ground. And then he did this. Life is one of the most complex realities in biology. And it breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. We, the beloved human race, sprung from the breath of the eternal one. And the apostle John is teaching us who that eternal one is. And the eternal one's name is Jesus. The apostle 
John wrote of Jesus's work of creation and his account of Jesus's life. And his aim, the reason why he's writing these things, is that we would be in awe of Jesus's power. We would be humbled by Jesus's grace and we would entrust ourselves to him. He says this exactly as to why John, this, Jesus's apostle, wrote his letter. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. Translation, Jesus did a lot of stuff on earth. While I was with him, John says, Jesus is moving, he's healing, he's teaching, he's engaged with people. He did a lot. Verse 31, he says, but these things that I've written. Now, John's gospel is unique. He's not trying to make it chronological. He's putting it together theologically and thematically. He says, these things that that are written in the book. They were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Beloved, if any of you are struggling with faith, I want to invite you to the Gospel of John. Read it. Read it slow. Read it contemplatively. If you have friends and family members who are struggling with faith, I encourage you to take the Gospel of John to them. And have them read it. Read it with them. Pray it over them. Why? Because John's aim, Jesus' disciple said that the reason why I wrote it is that you may have life. And this gospel is effective to make life from death. Because it speaks of the Son of God who gave his life as a sacrifice for those who would have faith and trust in his name. It'll change your mind from understanding that Jesus being but a man is the Son of God, the Messiah the author of life himself. John wants you to have life in Jesus' name. And so he begins his account introducing us to Jesus, the author of life, a.k.a. the Word. This is how John's gospel starts. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you remember, we, we went over this about a month ago. And he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. If these words sound familiar, especially this part right here in the beginning, it's because John is borrowing from Moses' writing, because Moses is the author of the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we see a very similar phraseology in the beginning. He's doing it on purpose. He's bringing our minds back to the very creation of the entire cosmos. So he's introducing us to Jesus and he's connecting us to the creation of the cosmos. And he's saying when Jesus, when God spoke, it was Jesus at work. That's what he's putting is is what he's connecting for us. He says in Genesis one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John begins his letter by turning our eyes there and helping us understand the identity of Jesus, that Jesus is the eternal creator God that we read about in the book of Genesis. That's what a person of Jesus is. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is not an angel with different forms. Jesus is God the Son and the Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth. So when you read God did, Jesus did. Now, I know this nuance in the triunity of God and complexity and how and where and who's moving and what. But in the beginning, when God created, Jesus created That's how John is introducing him. And so he's trying to lift and elevate your understanding of the of the person in whom we said we put our trust in. The very creator of all that we see is the person whom we say we praise. He has power. 
That's what he's getting across. That Jesus you say you know created everything. Power is in his name. That's what he's trying to get across to us. In the beginning, Jesus did miraculous things with his power. Jesus himself is the author of life as we know it. You guys have ever seen particular artworks or maybe if you've been around a lot of kids or in schooling and your kids write paragraphs for school. And I hate when the school sends home home projects because they know teachers ain't got to do no work. We got to do all the work anyway. They send home projects that the kid got to write about a bunch of stuff. And oftentimes my kids won't sign their name to the bottom of it. They'll just write the paragraph and give it to me to check. And I don't have to look and ask who wrote it. I can tell who wrote what because every author has identifying marks that tell me who it is that wrote it. Every craftsman has identifying marks. Every painter has identifying marks. And we use those marks to help us to decide and distinguish who made that thing. Sometimes it's a technique in the brushstroke with certain artists that you can see if the brushstrokes are in a particular way, there's a particular artist who did that. Especially when we're reading scripture, we can tell who wrote what because of particular words and phrases and structure of those words that they used. Even people who do woodworking, sometimes the way you sand your work tells me who did this. The way that the nail pattern in this sheetrock tells me who did this work. Any skilled eye can pick up such marks and narrow down who its creator is. One of the identifying marks of God is life. One of the identifying marks of Jesus is life. And so John takes to telling us where life came from. And this is where we're going to pick up in John chapter one, verse four. He starts off by saying in him, in Jesus, that's the him, in him was life. Life, beloved, is one of those mysterious terms. It's one of those words that have a broad range of meaning. They call that a semantic domain, a semantic range. As a, you can use life to mean a lot of different things depending on the context. And the Apostle John is one of those guys who like to use wordplay. He likes to know that there's a particular word and he uses that word in a particular way so that you have a particular thought. He's good with the words. He's like an old school ancient MC. And so he gets his readers to, and you got to remember what he's doing. He starts off by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? He points our mind to Genesis, and he points our mind to the creation of life in the book of Genesis. We have the aquatic system, the, the celestial system, the, ter- the, the, uh, the, 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 the plant life, the animal life, the human life, right? The ocean, the ground, the sky, everything is created in Genesis 1, And then John, with his mastery of words and words played, knows that there are more than one word for our English word for life. There's bios, which is biological everyday life. And there's zoe, which is eternal, divine or true life. Ooh, John is good. He points our mind to the creation of all biological life. But then he opens up in verse four and says, in him was not biological life, but zoe, eternal life. He switches it all of a sudden. He gets us thinking he's going to say one thing, but he says what we thought he was going to say, but he used a different word that has a different meaning. He says, in him was zoe, in him is eternal life. Again, John is raising the bar of who this Jesus is. 
Not only is Jesus the author of biological life on earth, he's telling us that Jesus is the author of true, divine, eternal, spiritual life. He's the means by which we attain spiritual life. That's what he's saying. Everything comes down to him. You don't attain spiritual life by doing good things. It doesn't work. You're going to stumble. You don't attain good. You don't attain eternal life by following some particular brand of law. Won't work. You gain life one way. The author of life. He gives life to whom he wills and chooses. It's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus gives life to people. You see, people need spiritual life because people are spiritually dead. And so we need life to beget life. Because that which is non-existent can't create something. That which is dead cannot create life. We need life to make life. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus sacrificed his bios. He sacrificed his biological life so that those who believe would have eternal life. He gave us a value system for life. He sacrificed this life that you may have the more important, the more important, more, more eternal, more significant aspect of life. This bios life is hard, bro. This biological life, tough. And you spend your entire life trying to get that bios stuff straight. And it never gets straight, partly because you've been focusing on the wrong area of life, the wrong life. If you focus on Zoe, if you focus on eternal life, then the stuff and the problems that happen in Bios aren't that big of a deal. You have security and peace because you know that Zoe is secure. I have eternal life, true life. I feel peace for the first time. How do you have peace? Your whole life falling apart. I don't know. I got that eternal life. You ever see those people that are in the Lord and they're just like, it almost makes you mad? You'd be like, because everything's miserable. And they're just like, yeah, but praise God. And you're like, how do you say that? How do you say praise God in the midst of a hard situation? You say it because you're in touch with Zoe. You're in touch with the life that he purchased for you. And if you can't say it, your eyes are too focused on the bills, on the biological, on the temporary. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I don't want abundance bios. I want abundant zoe. Zoe life, eternal life, true life can be easily defined as this. Now, again, I'll be careful when I say this. This is not the full definition of life, but it's a good summary. Life is knowing God and being known by God. You'll be like, where do you get that from? Cool. John 17, 3. Jesus said, this is eternal life. What is it? This is Zoe. This is Zoe. How do you get this is Zoe? That they know that they may know you, God, the only true God, and the one you sent, me. True life is knowing God. That's true life. That's what the words say. I didn't say it. You, got, you don't believe it? Deal with that. True life is knowing God. And until you know God, you're focused on a life that is but a vapor and you'd be miserable. 
What about the reverse? This is about us knowing God. What about God knowing us? Well, Jesus gave us a little narrative about that. One time Jesus went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, only a few people going to be saved? Only a few people going to get that zoe? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. They will stand outside and knock on the door. And beloved, this is my fear, that this, is, this, that this may be you. Standing outside, knocking on the door, saying, Lord, open up for us. And he's going to answer you. I don't know you or where you're from. Then we're going to try to, we're going to try to debate with God. We're going to try to negotiate with God. Then you'll say, we ate and drank in your presence. We took that communion. I was there with the saints chilling with you. The prayer circle was popping. I was in there. You taught in our streets, Lord. I saw you. You saw me. But I will say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me. Turn your eyes from biological life. Because the most dreadful thing that could ever happen to you is you think you know God, but God doesn't know you. You've chased eternal physical life. You've chased Zoe in the biological, but it doesn't work that way. A lot of us claim to know God, but have we truly, truly taken off all facades, fallen to our knees and said, Lord, help me. I'm a wretched, wretched sinner and I'm in need of your holy, loving mercy. See me, God. How many of us have asked God to search me, see me? We're scared for God to see us because he's going to find something. Let him find it. Stop running. Stop trying to be self-sufficient. Stop trying to do everything in your own power. Stop trying to be God and let God be God. Fall to your knees and say, Lord, see me. I need you to see me. I think it's you. Is it you, Lord? Well, I'm dropping on my knees, Lord. Take me. A lot of us think that we're going to attain some kind of grandiose, abundant life when we finally hit that weight loss goal. You think you're going to attain that grandiose life you need when you finally hit financial freedom. That's what it's about. If I can't get there, I'll be good. Man, if I could just get married. Pastor E gave me that one. If these people would finally validate my worth in public, if my boss would only see what I'm worth. You think that's it? That's the ticket. 
If I can just get that loan so I can start that business, we're going to be gravy. The satisfaction we're going to get from those things, beloved, is but a vapor. It's but a vapor. Your physical health is but a vapor. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. Oh, beloved, take care of yourself. But don't put your trust in your heartbeat. Don't put your trust in your bank account. Don't put your trust in someone's validation of you. They could be lying through their teeth about you because they know if you come up, they come up. They're going to tell you whatever you need to hear. Oh. Knowing God and being known by God brings a peace that surpasses all comprehension. It's Philippians 4, 7, right? This is why Jesus said this. Look what he said. And then he told them, watch out. Okay, watch out. What is that? It's a warning for you and a warning for me. Watch out. Open your eyes to this. Be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. We read it, we know it, we're still chasing that, that bios. See, the Zoe life, the eternal life, true life, changes our value system because it literally transforms our heart and our mind. This is what the scripture says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, brand new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. Here's the problem. A lot of us, though we may be in Christ, are living as if we're not. And we're showing that because we're chasing the vaporous life. That's the problem with most of most Christians, most of us. We don't walk like we're actually sons and daughters of the king. We don't walk like we're actually free from sin. We don't walk like we actually possess the truth. We walk afraid. We walk shook. We walk without boldness, without without confidence in our God. You know why we don't pray? Because we don't really think in our hearts and hearts that it works. That's why we don't. We w- Maybe we're redeemed. But we don't believe in the power of the name of Jesus. And that's why John is bringing our eyes back to remember who Jesus is. Remember when God created? That was your Savior who did that. That eternal life you want? He's the one that does that. He's, he's reminding you who this Jesus is. To stop walking in the ways in which you used to. Be bold. Stick your chest out. Don't be prideful. Look who your dad is. I'm good. I'm humble because everything he gave me is is from him. But I ain't scared of nothing and nobody. No shifting shadow scares me. It's hard to walk like that because the whole world, our whole life, up until our point of our redemption, we walk in fear. So it's hard to change. And this is where prayer and fasting comes in. Lord, reorient my mind, reorient my heart. Help me to remember what you say. Didn't we just sing that? I'm going to believe what you say about me. Not what your aunt said you were when you were five years old. Not what your uncle called you when you were 12. We're going to believe what the Lord says. His report is the trustworthy one. This beginning part of the verse in John chapter 1 verse 4 leads me to ask this question, do you know Jesus? Not the Jesus you made up in your head. You run into enough people, oh, me and Jesus are good. We start talking, it's like, yo, bro, I don't know what Jesus you're talking about, but I'm talking about the Jesus from the scriptures. Do you know him? Everybody loves God. You know what they do? They conjure up God in their head. 
Just like they did in the Old Testament. Let me get this piece of wood and let me hit that. Trump, 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 hair is your God. And you good with him, but are you good with the eternal one? Are you good with the author of life? If you know God, that's great. My question is, does he know you? And if you don't know, do you want him to? You can dial God's number through prayer, repentance, and faith. What does that mean, regular language? Talk to God. Ask him to see you. Ask him to make your trust in him genuine. Sometimes we pray we don't even know if we're genuine, right? Ask him to make it genuine. Lord, I'm saying I want this. I don't even know if I really want this. Lord, make my prayers genuine. Make that real for me. Because I'm jacked up. I'm a, sh- I'm, I'm a shifting shadow. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a boat being tossed to and fro right now. Give me stability in you. Lord, I believe, but I don't believe all the way. I know it. Something in me I'm holding back. Lord, help me. You dial his number by turning from yourself, turning from your sin toward him. And saying those things that you would never say in public. Because in public, at least amongst the saints, you know, it's praise God and I feel good and I believe and I'm strong and all this stuff. You get in that closet and you get real, real, real quick. Lord, I know I put on the facade of strength, but I'm weak. I'm hurting and I don't know if I believe today. I know I believed yesterday, but I had no smoke yesterday. Today, all this stuff's going down. Do you still love me? You can say that. And he points your eyes back to his son. Do I love you? My manifestation of love is right here. Because the scripture says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love for you and that while you were yet a sinner, while you were still in your unbelief, God died for you. Jesus died for you and gave his life as sacrifice as a ransom for many. We can do that. Man, God is gracious. I don't want to say more things, but we're going to keep going. In Jesus, there's life, Zoe. And that life was the light of men. Now, what does this life is the light of men mean? Well, I looked up the word like, I mean life. I'm sorry. I looked up the word light. You know how there was a couple words that meant life, right? I looked up light. You know what those words mean? Light. (laughs) I like getting people like that. Y'all think it's going to be something deep? It just means light. The important part about the word is what it does. What does light do? Light illuminates. Light helps you see. Light reveals. Light clarifies. Jesus, the author of life, means that we gain clarity. Jesus, the author of life, and in him is light, means that we we gain clarity, revelation, illumination for this life and the life to come. Check this out. Jesus, because he's the light, is the standard by which we measure all truth and morality. Jesus, because he's light, is the standard by which we base all truth and all morality. If we believe something contrary to our Lord, we're backwards, not him. If we think something is right that is contrary to what the scriptures say, we're backwards, not him. We think everything is right side up, but we live a life that's upside down. And then God comes and turns it right side up and we call it upside down. 
We always say, oh, God's flipping things upside down. No, he's not. He's turning things right side up. He's given us eyes to see for the first time, perhaps. This is why the, the scriptures warn. This is why God tells us this in Proverbs 3. He says, trust in who? The Lord. With what? All your heart. And then he says the negative. Do not rely on your own understanding. You ain't got the goods. That's what God is telling us from Jump Street's Old Testament stuff. He said, bro, you ain't got it. Trust in the Lord. That's what he says. And he will make your path straight. You know, it's funny. Life got us so, life got us so jacked up. We think windy is straight. And we don't know straight until we're in this presence. And he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. You know, you know what I don't like? I don't like, I don't like sages who are disconnected from Jesus. You know how we do that? We, we find those online sages, those Dr. Phil's that know nothing of God, nothing of true life, nothing of wisdom. But what they say sounds so deep. They're such a sage. Works for about 30 minutes. I'm not saying I don't like life hacks and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is great, but understand that stuff is temporal and in a mug. I watch the scientists, too. I do a lot of this stuff. None of it, all of it pales in comparison to true life. None of it has the effect that the spirit of God has on you. It's funny. It's like, Lord, I need more energy. What am I going to do? I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to get sunlight in my eyes. I'm going to have forward momentum when I do it. I'm going to wait 90 minutes to have my coffee. This is one of my favorite dudes. I listen to him every, mo- every day. If you, know what if you know what I'm saying, then you know what I'm saying. I'm going to do all those things to get energy. How about you ask the, the author of energy and life to, to invigorate your soul? Why are we doing all that other stuff? God, you're the author of life and energy. You spoke and light came. You, you created. Can I get a little energy? We do everything but that, though. Why? Why do we do everything but that? We don't believe it. That's just what it, we don't believe it. When I was, um, I used to make music. I used to rap. I was horrible, but it was fun. I was, I was, I was one of them whack Christian rappers. Oh, y'all, I might, I might spit something one day for you. I'll give y'all a little taste, a little taste. But we used to do it, and I remember one of the homies, you know, as, as we were growing up in the faith, we started slowly disconnecting from one another. You know, one dude would move and da-da-da, and I moved away, and stuff just, you know, you know how it was when you were younger, y'all in it, and then as you grow up, you just start getting girlfriends and stuff start happening, you start separating, right? And one of the homies who had a, he had a real struggle with weed, and it wasn't like, like it was deep, like he couldn't not do it, and he was our best producer. The brother could make beats. I mean, rival anybody I know, and I ain't joking. My man got skills, bro. And I remember, he called me on the phone one day, and I'm like, yeah, we talking? I'm like, bro, you, bro, what's, why are you talking like that? You blunted? Are you high? Translation, sorry. You high? And he was like, bro, you know, a little something, you know, it ain't nothing. I was like, what, what are you doing that for? Man, I need inspiration. I'm like, bro, the Holy Spirit's inspiration. What you need, you don't need weed. Weed don't inspire like the, like the, like the, the author of life do. Bro, you, are, you don't believe. And instantly I realized I had the same issue, just in a different way, in a different category. We don't believe, so we don't go to him for energy, for power, for inspiration, for strength, for endurance. We go everywhere else for those things. Beloved, turn your eyes off of bios. 
Get off that mug for a little bit. Look to God for Zoe. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your own heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. All your, uh, in all your ways, oh my gosh, listen, in all your ways, know him. And he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's funny. Not trusting the Lord is evil. Anyway, this will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. You want healing and strength? Stop trusting in you. Why? Jesus told us. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Grammatically, he's the way because he's the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, here it goes again, knowledge of God, right? If you know me, you will also know my Father. You good if you know me. Because if you know me, you know God. From now on, you do know him. And you've seen him because you've seen me. Jesus is the standard. He's the barometer. He's the example. He's the illuminator of the abundant life. This is why our mission at Pillar Church is to lead you closer to Jesus. That's the aim. Get close to him. Don't get close to us. We're going to fail you every time. I promise you I won't be there for you for something. Not on purpose. I just I'm human. I'm finite. My energy runs out. My vision is, is, is impaired. I don't see everybody and I don't see everything the way I ought to. But God sees you. God knows you. Jesus has not forgotten about you. Get close to him and get close to him quickly. Quickly. And then he'll be a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. It's dope. You won't get lost if Jesus is lighting your way. Jesus is the standard for this life and he's the key to the next. Beloved, if you seek Jesus now, you can know him as Lord, you can know him as Savior, you can know him as friend. But choose to seek him later. You just might get to know him, but you'll know him as judge. That's the part that they don't tell you about on TV. Seek him now while the light of your life still exists. And in the midst of this, I want to encourage you, as you seek Jesus, fear no man in doing so. Fear nobody in doing so. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Many have tried to silence the witness of Jesus, both in his earthly life and in ours. They threatened him and his followers. They beat him and his followers. They tortured his followers. They burned his teachings. They twisted his teachings. They banned his teachings. The world has tried to cancel Jesus over and over again because they want you to buy its products. So if you cancel the competition, you come to me. And I got that good vaporous life for you that you think you need. That's the whole ad industry, making you buy something that you think you need. That's why they convince you you need it, and then they say, look what I got. Aren't you tired of your phone glitching? Ah. That's how it works. That's how the ad industry works. It reveals the need, and it solves the need. Whether or not the need is real is irrelevant. The Apostle John reminds us of this, that light shines in the darkness. This is verse 5 of our text. Light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not, key word, did not overcome it. Jesus rules and reigns victorious, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. 
That's why I stand here before you. I'm just his ambassador. He rules and he reigns and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't ignore it. You can turn from it all you want. One day you will face him. And either he's going to say, oh, I know you or no, I do not. If you're in Jesus, you get to walk that victory march with him. And the chains of darkness and shame have no claim on you if you're in Jesus. Those sins of addiction that y'all are struggling with, they can be broken in the name of Jesus. Those lies and false truth that are um, that you are exposed to. Jesus will bring a light to that situation and show you what's real. Death comes to life when Jesus calls the dead to rise. Beloved, make no mistake about it. Darkness cannot and will not overcome the light. When the light shines forth from the author of life, that is. Y'all remember World War II? I can feel the weight. Y'all getting tired. I could preach for like three hours, I promise. We're not going to. I told you I had a lost cross references. We got to get through them. Remember World War II? In London, during the blackouts, they used to have everybody, all the lights and cut off all the power at a certain time so that at night, the German bombers would not know when they've crossed over into particular populated regions, right? So they couldn't bomb it. So during those blackouts, you would have planes 20 miles in the sky, and it's been reported that they could see a single match lit outside from 20 miles in the sky. A single match. What power is a match? It's this big. It's the power of light. 20 miles away, a single match can be seen with the naked eye because darkness flees at the presence of light. That's how powerful light is. Just a little. Y'all got a little bit of faith? You got a lot more than what you think. Why do you think Jesus said faith the size of a mustard seed? Mustard seed this big. It's more powerful than you think. And you can tap into and believe on those things. Darkness trembles even at the smallest flicker of light. Even when that darkness is deep and abiding and pervasive. We've all been there. In that deep, dark place. You've been there. It's pervasive. It feels like you're never going to get out of it. It's horrible. Light shines there. You'll find the light of Jesus, oh, so small, down at the bottom of that bay that you'll be in. And he'll lead your way back to himself. Contextually, darkness in the Gospel of John can mean spiritual evil, false ideologies, lies, sin, or other moral compromise, or spiritual blindness. And so John is telling us that the person and work of Jesus deals with all forms of darkness. It, tri- it tri- triumphs over any darkness that's, that's after us in terms of depression, the, the depressive cloud that's, t- that's hovering over our shoulders. He triumphs over those cult leaders that are trying to woo you because of your ethnic heritage. Jesus triumphs over any false ideology in this world. Jesus cleanses us of our sins, no matter the type. Clean, we're cleansed, we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. That's why I tell you to get close to Jesus, beloved, if you want to live. You want to live? Get to Jesus. You don't know how to get to Jesus? Dial his number through repentance and prayer. Lord, I need you. Help me. See me. I've heard it's you. I heard your name is Jesus. Is it true? Is it true? Because I need you. Cast your eyes on him, beloved. And we get to celebrate because we'll see his, his print on you, his print of life. See, in the world of criminal forensics, uh, there's something called the Locard Exchange. If you all are familiar with forensics and you know the Locard's Exchange. It states that when one substance touches another, it indelibly leaves a trace of itself on the other material. 
Just like an artist or a craftsman that leaves identifying marks on their work, so does God. And if you entrust yourself to the person of Jesus, we can prove Lockhart's theory true. We'll see God's indelible mark on you, and his mark is called Zoe life. Do you have it? You know where to go to get it. You find it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then we can all be like Henry Frankenstein. My friend was dead. I was dead. But look, it's alive. It's alive.